48 yards from the left hash. The snap is good. The placement is good. The kick end over end towards the uprights. It is no good. He missed it. The Jets survive in overtime. The first miss of the year for Josh Brown. Live from Calandra's Italian Village in Caldwell, New Jersey, it's Inside the Jets on 98.7 ESPN. Here's Larry Hardesty and Eric Allen. And we welcome you to the Ovecchio Cafe at Calandra's Italian Village here in Caldwell, New Jersey. Larry Hardesty and Eric Allen. And EA, for me, this was an unbelievable game. You heard Bob was choosing in the open, lose his voice over this contest. All weekend long, everybody's talking about what was going to happen. Is it a rivalry game? But we knew going in, both of these teams really, really needed this game. And it was late. Time going down the stretch. Ryan Fitzpatrick. They call him Ryan Fitzmagic. And it's great for Jet fans to finally have a number one receiver. It was Brandon Marshall. And a number two receiver, it was Eric Decker. It was both of those guys, EA. They marched down the field, and then we have a tie game. Fitz, again, operating in the hurry-up. Was, he was a magician out there. Fourth down, the keeper. Yeah. Guy makes the play. Yeah, and that's then, it. And then you go to Brandon Marshall. Who else? You go to Brandon Marshall to tie his baby up, going to overtime, go right down the field again. Unfortunately for the Jets, they didn't finish with a touchdown there, but they take the lead, and then they hang on. It, that was a gutty, gritty performance. I'll tell you what, this team showed a lot of character and resolve, and we were sitting here at Calandra's a couple weeks ago after the Jets had went down to Houston and fell to 5-5 five and five overall, and a lot of people thought the world was falling apart. Okay, now two weeks later, the Jets are sitting here 7-5, and five, on a two-game win streak, playing meaningful games in December, and if the season ended today, which it doesn't, <laughs> they'd be in the playoffs. Play, playing New England, of course. Yeah. Like, who else would be playing? Hey, that'd be fun. Let's go up to Foxborough. <laughs> you know, we'd be playing. Who else is, it's going to be New England. There's no doubt about that. Listen, here's the other thing that, that impressed me about yesterday offensively was, and you talk about Brandon Marshall, who was unbelievable. You talk about Eric Decker, who was outstanding. Bilal Powell was amazing yesterday out of the backfield. Uh, he was just amazing with the way he performed yesterday. Big catches, a lot of gain. And, and that's what we talk about with Todd Bowles is that his ability to adjust. And, okay, they're taking the, the run away from the line of scrimmage, 7-8 in the box, so what else is new? So let's get a running back in the flat. Even Chris Ivory had some passes in the flat as well. And it's just like a run, EA. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at times early on, he took some shots. Yeah, he did. The Giants got to him. He was sacked three times in all. And, but I thought the line started coming together late in the game in the second half. And you mentioned Paul. What an outlet. And he's been dynamic with his feet, and he looks fresh too. Yeah. That was a career high. Eight receptions and 91 receiving yards. He got in the end zone in the first half. And then late on the game-tying touchdown drive, he was the first pass out of the backfield. The Jets pick up 20, and that started things for him. So yesterday, that was the first time for the New York Jets that they had two receivers with 100 yards receiving in Marshall and Decker. Mm Mm-hmm. Since Tuna Walker. Yeah. I, I mean, we're seeing some rare things right now from those guys on the outside. But like you're saying, we talk about it every week. Who's the third receiving yeah. weapon? 
Yeah. Well, yesterday wasn't necessarily a receiver. It was a back. Mm-hmm. And Bilal Powell gave them a big-time jump. Um, you know, a lot of heroes yesterday. Yeah, and that's definitely. what typically happens when you come down from 10 points in the fourth quarter. That's only happened 10 times in Jets history, six times on the road. And Jets fans were giving me a lot of – a lot of heat about it. They said, a road game, a road game. Well, <laughs> technically, road game. technically it was a road game. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm, still, I'm still a little bit excited about Gotta it. Be. But, you know, the guys, uh, a few of the guys talked on, on the conference call today with the local media, and Todd Bowles spoke as well. And Bowles said, hey, listen, they needed to see this. They needed to see evidence of what happens when you can finish. And I liked what I heard out of Antonio Cromartie, too, Larry. He said, you know what? We haven't played a complete game this year yet. We haven't put it all together offensively, defensively, and on special teams. And the Jets have plenty to correct when uh, they look at that game film. There were some penalties there. We talked about uh, Fitz was under some duress early in that ball game. The defense gave up big plays, special teams at times. But with that being said, so much good came out of that ball game. The Jets gave up 20 points in the second quarter. They shut down Eli Manning and company over those final three quarters to nothing, yeah. zero points. Yep, yep. And, look, the topic coming in, how, how many times did the guys last week talk about Odell Beckham Jr.? I yep. mean, was, was he the most talked about? He might be the most talked about athlete <laughs> in the city last week. And with the ama- one amazing catch that he had for big yardage, uh, and he reaches out and grabs another football with one hand. Okay, so what else is new? Uh, but once again, the key thing with him is keep him out of the end zone. He's going to make his catches. Yeah. He's a fabulous receiver. But it's about tackling him. It's about keeping him out of the end zone. And really, the second the Jet defense shut him down second half. They did in the second half, and he, he's going to make his plays. Absolutely. He's just too good. He's, amazing. he's a great player. I'll tell you what, the Jets have seen a lot of good receivers. They have. This year, you know, you think about DeAndre Hopkins and obviously uh, Sammy Watkins, and and the list goes on and on. And more but, coming. But I'll tell you what, yeah, Odell makes it look too easy sometimes. Yeah. Like he, uh, somebody said today, it looked like he was catching the tennis ball with that one hander. Yeah. yeah. But it, you know, it, and there was a mix up in coverages there in a 72 yard uh, touchdown there mm-hmm. in the first half, and also Antonio Cromartie took blame for. The Giants field goal where they got a long pass to their tight end there before halftime, and then we know the Jets also gave up the punt return. But with that all being said, the defense shut them down in the second half. The offense, when they needed 10 points late, they got 10 points. They got to overtime. And when they got rolling and Ryan Fitzpatrick was on rhythm, wow, he, he's playing tremendous. Mm-hmm. And people have been asking me, Larry, over the past couple weeks, Hey, what about a late-season slide? Isn't that typical of Ryan Fitzpatrick? Well, I don't see it no. because last week he threw four touchdown passes. This game, he completed 72% of his passes mm-hmm. for 390 yards and two touchdowns and wasn't picked off. Right. So Ryan, Fitzpa- Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we talk about it every week, a lot of these guys in this locker room have never participated in the postseason before. Yeah. And when you think about a guy like Fitzpatrick and you think about a guy like Brandon Marshall who just eclipsed 1,000 yards for the eighth time in nine seasons, mm. you know they see what's in front of them. But with that being said, the guy said it today, Larry, it's the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Because yeah. 
Then you have to start worrying about everything that happens around you if you don't take care of business. Mm-hmm. But right now, you got Tennessee coming to town, Marcus Mariota making some plays. They yes. won a ball game yesterday. Sometimes Shootout. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes in the National Football League, it is hard. It is difficult to win. You just got to find a way to win next week and then go from there. But the Jets have set themselves up here to do something in December. Larry Harstey and Eric Allen, we're inside the Jets. This is at Calandra's Italian Village. We are going to be joined a little bit later by Marcus Gilchrist and also by Brian Winters. They'll be joining us in the latest segment. We'll take your calls, take your questions via email, via Twitter. And uh, there's a, a bunch of them already that we're lined up, so we'll take them a little bit later in the thing. Before we go to break, EA, just give me a, a, a sense of the feeling in that locker room last night. Big win. Let's throw the rivalry aside right now. This was a must-win, really, for both teams. And when you get the sense of that defense coming through, shutting them down, you mentioned Rontez Miles with the big interception. It's fourth down. Obviously, Giants are going for the kill. They're trying to put seven on the board. They're trying to say, listen, you can't beat us. We're going to try to go up three scores. Big difference. Yeah, they went for the dagger, no doubt about it. Tom Coughlin elected to go, and he knows his team better than anybody. I'm not going to sit here and question what – other teams uh, choose to do out there on the ball field. Fourth and two, he wanted to make it a three-possession game. Yeah. The Jets stood up. I think it was big just getting the interception because, yeah, if you get a pass deflection or he throws the ball out of bounds, that's fine. You take over on downs. But yeah. the Jets preached about takeaways all the time. Yeah. So even though it didn't really change the field position that much, I just thought it changed the feeling out there. We get an interception. Tez gets the interception. Oh, by the way, he was the guy who ju- jumped off sides on a fourth yeah. and four That's right. on the punt, yeah. which extended that drive in the first place. So the Jets made up for a lot of their mistakes. But, it, you know, we're going to talk to Brian Winters about this. We're going to talk to Marcus Gilchrist about this. It was an emotional locker room. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Todd Bowles was in there, presented the game ball to Woody Johnson. The guys were having a good time in there, and they're allowed to celebrate. And they should feel good about themselves sure, absolutely. because, you know, they did finish. They did finish. They, and, and, and early in the season, they might not have won in this ball game. Yeah. But to me, this is a sign of a developing ball club. Mm-hmm. It's a team that's finding ways to win even when they don't play well. Right. And when you make mistakes and have turnovers, like, like the punt return is like a turnover. You know, the offside is like a turnover. Uh, you overcome that, and you and you go on the on the road, even though it's in your but they're also on the road, <laughs> and you win, and you win in overtime. That's a big win. It, that's a momentum win that you try to build on, and that's what the goal is to put wins together. And that's what you do in December, EA. You spread, you try to string wins together to get to the postseason. Yeah. So you got Kansas City there at seven and five. Yep. They're on a six-game win streak right yeah, now. They're playing well. You got Pittsburgh sitting there at seven and five. You got the Buffalo Bills at six and six. The Houston Texans at six and six. The Colts at six and six. You can't worry about that if you're a player no. in that locker room. Me and you could talk about it all day. We can uh-huh. look at the schedules and things like that. But these guys got to focus on the Titans and then go from there. But this is a fascinating AFC playoff. It race. is. It really is. It really is. It's going to be fun. And the best part is Jet fans have meaningful games in December. Selective Insurance is your solution for auto home business and flood insurance. So visit Selective.com today and find an agent near you. Selective response is everything. When we return, we'll talk defense with Marcus Gilchrist. That's next on Inside the Jets, live from Calandras on 98.7 ESPN. 
He takes the snap, drops back, under pressure, throws it right, picked up, intercepted at the goal line by Miles. Rontez Miles gets a pick out to the 14-yard line, and that gives the Jets a little bit of life. Now back to Inside the Jets on 98.7 ESPN. Here's Larry Hardesty and Eric Allen. And we welcome you back to Kalanjas Italian Village here in Caldwell, New Jersey. Tri-State Tire Pros is your automotive headquarters for great deals on Continental and General Tires. To find your local Tri-State Tire Pros dealer, visit TriStateTirePros.com. All right, Larry, let's bring in uh, the quarterback of the secondary. That is New Jet safety Marcus Gilchrist. Gilly, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Marcus, you got a big crew here. Uh, family-wise, can you tell us who's joining you tonight? Uh, yeah, I have my lovely girlfriend here, Nicole, along with my daughter, and uh, my parents are here in town for the weekend. What's your daughter's name again? Sophia. Yeah, Sophia, and she's very young, so this is the first time probably seeing Dad on the radio, right? Definitely. <laughs> awesome. So, okay, I said you guys gave up 20 points, but I really think the defense only gave up 10 points. That's right. Looking back at this ball game, because punt return and also – you guys uh, stood up there after there was a turnover deep in your end, forcing a field goal. So the guys today on the conference call, uh, Antonio Cromartie talked about this, Gilly. He said, in the first half, we played more zone. But then once we started going in the second half, we played a little bit more man on the outside. Can you tell me about the adjustments you guys made in the second half? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's what this game is all about, making adjustments um. We didn't have too good of a half in the first half. We felt as a defense. Um, the coaches came in, and we made the right adjustments. And I think a lot of that goes with us on the sideline. We always coming back to the sideline, discussing with each other what we've seen out there on the field. And we were able to make the changes and, uh, and adjust on the fly. So, Marcus, what's the challenge when you have so many different moving parts? you got injuries. you got other guys stepping up and coming into the secondary, the communication, everything. That's so key. It's next man up. Uh, I know – Every team in America probably talks about it, next man up. But as, as cliche as it sounds, that's the way it has to be. Um, unfortunately, in this game, you're going to have injuries. Um, you're going to have things that are going to happen. You're going to, have up, you're going to have up and down. So we have to have the next man up, and that's the mentality that every guy has to have on a team. Yep, we talk about it every week. I knew he was going to answer that like that because uh, I talked to Gilly about this in the locker room. Obviously, you guys went in that ball game without Darrell Rivas, one of the game's top cornerbacks. Marcus Williams was down. You lost Kelvin Pryor in the backfield with the stinger. So Tez comes in, Ron Tez Miles comes in, guy who was on your practice squad earlier mm-hmm. this year, and makes a momentum-changing play in the fourth quarter. What was that like being on the field for so long and then preventing points? And, and what do you think that did at that moment for you guys as a defensive unit and the whole team? Uh, I couldn't be more proud than any guy on the team than Rontez Mal, a guy who, uh, who's just patient. He's been patiently waiting his time to be able to play. And uh, I always talk to him about being prepared when preparation meets opportunity, being prepared for when his opportunity comes, he can make the most of it. And, uh, you know, it was good to see him make uh, a big-time play, a crucial play on fourth down for us. But, I mean, uh, getting a stop like that, you know, it does wonders for the team. Actually, we got on the roll. Um, after that interception. So, uh, you know, all in all, I think um, as a defense, to to come up with a stop like that was really big. Were you tired or frustrated being on the field because of a bunch of penalties on that drive, and then there were times when 
you guys thought you'd actually stopped him, and unfortunately, like Tez had the offside penalty, but he more than made up for it with the interception. But uh, you guys on the field forever, more than 11 minutes. That's the part of the game. Yeah. Uh, it's going to happen. Um, that's what we train in the offseason for. That's what we have OTAs for. That's what we have camp for. Um, we practice situational football all the time. So um, it's something that um, we don't want to happen, but we're prepared for it. And I'll tell you what, Larry, he said situational football. The Giants, 0-3 inside the red zone as far as converting with touchdowns. Absolutely, and that's something this defense, you have to pride yourself in being tough in the red zone, getting off the field on third down, trying to minimize the big plays. They're going to happen from time to time, but just trying to minimize those big plays. Definitely. Um, I think the keys to having a good defense is um, having third down, third down stops, uh, creating turnovers and stopping the run. And um, I think we were able to uh, collectively as a defense put that all together in the second half. Now, for you, what, what's so interesting in watching him, EA, is it, depending on the scheme, he could be covering – a wide receiver. He could be covering a tight end. And it's just amazing to watch you and make the adjustment. And, and it's all about position, right? Just covering whoever it is. It's, it's about being your scheme, knowing your scheme and being in the right position. Uh, definitely. Uh, first thing, uh, playing defense, you have to know your assignment, um, whatever the, the limitations of a coverage, um, the limitations of a defense. Um, that comes first and foremost. <clears throat> and that allows you to be able to play faster so um, definitely um, I take pride in being able to do all of those things. Speaking of that, you enter the National Football League with the San Diego Chargers, and your first role responsibility is playing cornerback. How does that help you now, that experience, playing a safety position? Well, I've done it since a, a young age. I started off actually playing safety, but in high school I played corner and safety. In college I played corner and safety. So uh it's not that big of a deal for me. Uh, it's an easy transition for me. Uh, I've always felt like if you're a DB, you should be able to play any of those positions, in my opinion, and I take pride in being able to do it. Marcus Gilchrist is our guest, Larry Harsty and Eric Allen. inside the Jets here at Calandras on 98.7 ESPN. What has the season been like for you coming here to the Jets this year? What has it been like? What, what's, what's been the excitement for you? Uh, it's been an adjustment. Um, you, you, you're used to being somewhere for four years, and you're used to a culture. A certain culture, you're used to a city, uh, you're used to your teammates, you're used to your coaches, um, and you know to come all the way across the other side of the country uh, is definitely an adjustment. But we as football players, that's what we do. Um, when we go out on the field, we have to adjust. Um, in everyday life, you have to adjust. That's what we do. So um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed every bit of it. Your former teammates in San Diego now, who are, are really struggling this year. Do they talk to you and say, oh, wow, look at where you're at right now? And, uh, <laughs> nah, not, not really. We just talk about life in general yeah. and how, uh, how each other's families are doing and things like that. Who were uh, you close with in San Diego? Um, I talk a lot with uh, Brandon Flowers and Eric Weddle and guys like that. That was a good secondary there. Oh, yeah, absolutely it was. You talk about making adjustments. What's the adjustment like with your family? How's that play into Oh, yeah, that's definitely an adjustment, um, <laughs> having to be a dad now. Um, What's that like, dad? Don't take me through there's it. There's no other feeling like that. Going into it, everybody always tells you, um, you know, it's no other feeling like yeah, it. Yeah, you're, yeah. Not, you're, you're not going to understand until it happens, and you, you kind of be like, oh, yeah, all yeah, right. Sure, but, right. But sure enough, um, when she came out, uh -huh. there's no feeling like it, and it's a joy. That's, that's above any, anything else. What I do in that field cannot overshadow uh, me being a parent. 
And it changes things, right? Now you look at things, you have added responsibility, so there's even a bigger change. Definitely. It, put, it definitely puts things into perspective. How are you sleeping? Uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I got a great girlfriend that uh, takes on a lot for me, so I'm blessed to have that. Uh, Marcus, of course, played college ball at Clemson. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about it. Uh, the Tigers in the NCAA's semifinals now earned a trip there with the defeat of the North Carolina Tar Heels on Saturday night. What, what do you think about that team this year, and how proud, proud are you of your alma mater? Definitely a, a, a proud alumni. Um, I was able to go to the game when they played in Sy- at Syracuse, um, you know, just to be around the coaches and, and a lot of guys that I played with being at the game. We brought back those old feelings. So to see those guys being so successful right now, um, you know, I can't, I can't be nothing but happy. So, Marcus, now you get to talk about the Giant game. You get to look at that, and now it's over. Now you just got to get ready for Tennessee. You don't get a chance to enjoy these wins, right? You just move right on to Tennessee. I know you haven't really started to digress or break them down yet, but just talk about facing a rookie quarterback and Mariota who's been, you know, well-herited, much publicized, and what you, you know, some of the things you've just seen from him and heard about him. Well, doesn't look like a rookie. No. Uh, I think he's playing pretty well. They got a lot of good players around him. Uh, a lot of good players at the skill position. Um, I think they have a really um, good defense as well, too. So it's going to be a challenge for us. Every week is a challenge in the NFL. There's no gimmies. Um, yeah, so um, we're going to have to put our best foot forward and, uh, and prepare the same way we have all year. Marcus, Larry asked me about it before, uh, about that locker room scene. And you, this is your fifth year in the National Football League. When you guys came off the field – and Todd Bowles presented that game ball to Woody Johnson, and you guys had a little bit of celebration. Uh, just how emotional was it for you guys uh, as players? Like I said, it's, it's hard to come by these wins uh, in the NFL. It's such a competitive league. And to win it the way we won it, um, when we, we've lost a lot of close games this year and we haven't been able to finish, and to finish the way we finished um, definitely brought a lot of electricity to that locker room after the game. What were you doing uh, when the Giants lined up for the game time uh, game time field goal? Thinking about blocking it. <laughs> <laughs> and where are you where are you coming off? Are you off the edge? Uh, I'm Cromartie's off of the edge, and right. I'm trying to jump between the the uh, tackle and the wing. And are you just listening? Oh, because you're going forward, so obviously you're not watching the ball. Oh, no, you... I turn right around. Did you? As soon as it happened. Yeah. And who'd you look for? Uh, I just went sprinting. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Gilchrist, listen, I, it's Victory Monday. That means you had the day off. We thank you for giving that up and bringing the family out. And good luck next week and the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks Appreciate for a couple it. of minutes. It's Marcus Gilchrist, ladies and gentlemen. Join the New York Jets and the Institute of Culinary Education for Season 3 of the Jets Cooking School. It's presented by Chase. For more information, visit ice.edu slash jets. When we return for the... Another installment of Inside the Jets will turn our attention to the offensive line. Brian Winters will step to the microphone next on 98.7 ESPN. Drops back, looks left, throws. Marshall, he's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Brandon Marshall walls off the defender. And the Jets are a point after away from a tie. 27 seconds to go. Now back to Inside the Jets on 98.7 ESPN. Here's Larry Hardesty and Eric Allen. 
have a word from FanDuel before Brian Winters joins us on Inside the Jets. From FanDuel, try one-week fantasy football league on FanDuel today. Home to more winners than any other site. Go to FanDuel.com for your free account right now. All right, Larry, let's bring in right guard Brian Winters. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Brian, actually, uh, before we talk a little bit of football, you said uh, – you got going with your uh, holiday decorations today at home, right? I did. I finally got around to it. Uh, it was, you know, had had a day off finally, so it was good. So, it was fun. And so what were your honeydews? What did you take care honey of dues. today? Honeydews, yeah. I actually got the tree today. Yeah? So that was big. That was big. Uh, decorated the outside of the house. Did a little decoration on the inside, so. Oh, all ready to roll. Yeah. That's, that's right. impressive. It feels very <laughs> odd, though, guys. I mean, it's December, and it's, it's about 60 degrees today. Unbelievable. I'm not complaining, though. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we'll, we'll be remembering this weather in about a month or so. So, Brian, take me back to yesterday. You're, you're, and Bob Susan, we just played the uh, Susan drop of the Brandon Marshall touchdown to tie the game. What's the feeling of, of the offense going down the field, driving, trying to get that game tying touchdown? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I don't know if you heard in Fitz's uh, you know, post-game interviews, he was talking about everyone in the huddle, their poise was everyone was – you know, calm, and they knew we were going to go down the field and, you know, be successful on that drive. And, it, you know, obviously it, it showed out, and, you know, we, we everything fell into place. You know, all the parts were rolling. So it was great to be a part of. What's that like for you as an offensive lineman when you're in those situations where, hey, listen, we got to score. We got to score quickly, so it's all about tempo right now. It is, and, you know, you just go back to basics. You know, you got to do everything that, you know, you were coached to do, and, you know, take care of your assignment, and if all 11 men take care of their assignment on the field, you know, we should be successful. Is that difficult for you? Because I know you guys up front, you like to power off the ball and attack. But at that point, you know, the guys are coming at you. But also, with that being said, Giants started to wear down, I think, late in that ball game. They did. You know, they have a, you know, a very talented front, you know, with uh, Jenkins and Pierre Paul, obviously. And, uh, you know, th- all front, you know, their whole front is, you know, obviously a great front. So we came into that game, you know, obviously, you know, expecting, you know, Pierre Paul and, you know, Jenkins to be moving around. And we just had to stay poised and do what we had to do to complete the game. And, you know, it obviously worked out for us. From a confidence level, what is it like when you're in that huddle and you've got a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick who's been there before, he knows what to do, and he just there's got to be a certain calm in that huddle, even though the time is like we got to get it going, as he said, and we got to get this ball down the field. He comes in the huddle, you know, smiling, being himself, just like how he is, you know, in the start of the game. You know, his poise is unbelievable because, you know, if you want to go to him in the huddle, you know, you want to see the leader, you know, being calm so it makes you feel calm. So, you know, obviously when I see him, you know, the guy who's throwing the ball and, you know, has, you know, the biggest job on the field, yeah, poise and calm. You know, it makes us feel a lot better. What are you thinking when he takes off and run as he's apt to do at times? That fourth down conversion was <laughs> one of the plays hurt. of the game. Please don't get hurt, you know. <laughs> he, he, he slid once yesterday, though. you yeah, got to give him credit. Yeah, I know. One time he took a do- you know, dive first, and it was a little scary. You know, I was right there. It was a good collision, but he got up. He was good. Brian, does he ever have any uh, uh, moments of levity? In the huddle. You know, there's an old Joe Montana story in the Super Bowl where he looked at the offensive lineman in the huddle and said, hey, guys, there's Sean Candy. Yeah, you got any moments like that <laughs> no, with Vince? No, nothing too bad. But, you know, he'll come in like sometimes during practice, you know, we'll have some jokes in the huddle. <clears throat> you know, he always does this thing where he says, eyes. 
we all got to, like, look at him real serious and whatever. But even in that situation, he came in the huddle, and he was looking around. He was like, hey, eyes. You know, it was, <laughs> it was cool. Like, it brought us back down a little bit, and we weren't nervous. And, you know, football's a fun game. You know, you can't put too much stress on it. But, you know, obviously it was a stressful moment. But, you know, like you said, we got the job done. So, yep. Field goal. Giants field goal team lining up. You're on the sideline. What's going through your mind? Well, I didn't know this coming up, but I it was the first field goal he's, he's missed. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you know, I was I was ready. You know, I know our defense, you know, was going to do everything in their power to stop him. And, you know, I was just on the sidelines, just, you know, praying for the best. Pacing. Pacing. <laughs> pacing back and forth. What has changed this year for you guys up front as far as blocking schemes are concerned? You know, I don't know if it's so much blocking schemes. I think it's more, you know, how comfortable we are with playing with each other. You know, uh, obviously we got a, a new addition at left guard, you know, and um, with James Carpenter. But I just feel like everyone's more comfortable where they are now and, you know, the positions that we're in. But, you know, obviously we love the scheme that we're, you know, blocking for and, you know, a lot more power, a lot more downhill running. And it, it's great because that's the type of players that we have on the offensive line and, you know, just big physical guys. What did that Miami game do for you? Obviously, that was the first time Willie was hurt this year. Willie Colon eventually placed on injured reserve. But, you know, you're thrown in the fire, no doubt about it. But this team has confidence in you, and you went out and handled yourself very well against one of the top defensive interior players all in football in the Dominican Sioux. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'm going to take it just like any other game. You know, I've uh, played against them before, and, um, you know, there's a lot of good players out there. It just happened he, he was the one in front of me at that time, so – that's, you know, I just handled my business. You did handle your business. You did. And Chris Ivory went off in that game. And sure then, did. then when Willie was uh, put on the shelf, I mean, you played really well. And I'll tell you what, the Jets threw the ball a lot yesterday because they had to, right? Mm-hmm. Especially late. And when the Giants hold the ball for more than 11 minutes, you don't have a lot of time, so you've got to throw the football a lot. But that being said, Ivory still averaged 4.7 yards yeah. a carry yesterday. Mm-hmm. only had 10 carries, though. Yeah. What's it like on the offensive line's alignment? The, the defense is on the field 11 minutes, as EA said, 11 plus minutes. So you're just like, we got to get back on the field. What, what's that like being on the sideline just waiting for them to get back out there? Yeah, it's, you know, it's obviously you're looking over the playbook. You're looking at, you know, their fronts and everything. But there's only so much you can do yeah. when you're waiting out there. You're just hoping that the defense can get off the field, you know, because obviously, you know, you don't want them on the field. You want, you want the offense to be on the field the majority of the time. So, um, you know, just like you said, pacing back and forth, just waiting for my time. What do you think about being in the situation right now? Seven and five, four games left. You guys right now, your head coach said it today, Todd Bowles, we control our own destiny. 100% true. I, you know, totally agree with that. He tells us that every day. And, um, you know, I think everything in front of us is all tangible. It's all, all can happen. You know, we, like, like he said, we control our own destiny. We're going to take it one game at a time and not – look forward or, you know, look back. Brian, what's been the secret that you guys have been able to, and yesterday was really a rarity that Fitz got roughed up early with a couple of sacks, but you guys have really protected him very nicely through the season. What's been the secret in keeping him upright, keeping his jersey clean? You know, it's just learning and studying. You know, we get together as a unit, you know, after uh, meetings and go over the fronts and go over the defenses and see the schemes that they're doing, uh, especially on third downs and, we just, you know, try to do everything in our power to, you know, make things easier for him. And um, obviously having Nick Mangold up front, you know, guy who's unbelievably smart and knows the game better than anyone that I've ever met. So 
it's good to have someone like him and be surrounded by other great players and, you know, just to be able to talk to other people and just get a feel. Do you agree with that old sentiment that an offensive line is one of the closer-knit groups in that locker room? I would say so. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would definitely say so. You know, I'm real close with Breno and um, Nick and everyone on the line. You know, we all have a you know, different bond than other people. But, you know, like I said, you know, it goes as we go. So, you know, if us five aren't working well together, then – you know, you got a problem. So. I, I know you guys don't like to commit penalties. Nobody wants to commit any penalties, and, and I'm not saying I support this. But I did like what I saw at a big carp yesterday. Brennan was getting into it. He was engaged with a lineman. Somebody was on top of him, and then you saw a big carp come out of oh, nowhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's one where I'm like, you, you can take the 15 on there because you're protecting your guy. Exactly. That's all it is. You've got to protect your brother. Yeah. So. You know, it's, it's interesting because listening to Todd Bowles in the postgame talking about how we've been, I've been preaching about the team to come together to finish. When you look back and you see that finish, what's that feeling like to, to finish, to come from behind, to get a win like that? When you know that you've had some games, maybe if you had done that earlier, you'd be in a little better position. It's, it, you know, it's great because, you know, obviously it doesn't always work out that way. Um, so actually going through and, you know, believing in one another and, Going out there and finishing a game, it's its unbelievable. There's no words for it. To bring the team closer, you feel a little closer? 100%. Yeah. yeah. What's your comfort level with the guys up front? Because that's one thing that uh, all you guys, to a man, were talking about early on in a training camp. Not a lot of young guys up front, if you think about it. You've been in the league for a few years now. you got Mangold who's been around. The Brickashaw Ferguson. Breno, it's his second year here. James Carpenter, he's got big-time experience playing couple Super Bowls the past couple seasons with the mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks yeah and you know, like you said everyone has a lot of a lot of years in the NFL I don't know I, I haven't really done the math but I mean the Brickshaw has been in for 10 Nick's been in for 10 Brandon has been in for nine Carp for five and I'm three I'm so I'm the youngest on the offensive line so you know they have so much experience you know I get to learn from them every day and it's it's really a blessing I couldn't be in a better situation Brian, you got Tennessee coming up now. Brandon Marshall was a guest on the Michael K. Show in the New York Jets spotlight. And uh, Brandon said, this is not the Tennessee team that – don't look at the record. This is a team that's better than their record. As you get to this time of the season, is that what you have to do? Put the record aside, focus in on what you see on film? Exactly, because everyone's playing, you know, to, to prove themselves. It's really not about the record. It's about how they want to finish. You know, late season is where you got to finish, and that's what every team's trying to do right now. Yeah, and you guys have a great opportunity in front of uh, yourselves right now. And, and everybody in the locker room knows that. And uh, I asked Gilly about this, and Larry and I obviously talked about it uh, to open the show. But how emotional was that locker room? Like you're saying, this is your third year in the National Football League. But just coming off the field, uh, what was that like for you as a player with your brothers? It was, it was unbelievable. I haven't been in a, you know, a, you know something a part of that since I've been in the NFL, and it was, you know, great uh, to experience that, especially against, you know, what they call a rival. Um, so it was nice, and it was, you know, it was something that I'll always cherish. Yep. Brian, thanks for a couple of minutes. Uh, go back, put the tree up now, put the lights on the tree, and then everything will be set. I will. Appreciate <laughs> All that. All right. Thanks. Brian Winters, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. over to the perfect setting for fun with friends, fine food, and drink. The Madison Hotel, Rod Steakhouse, and UK's Red Dog is located on Madison Avenue in Morristown. When we return on this edition of Inside the Jets, well, I guess we'll go to our Twitter mailbag, e- at EA New York Jets, at Hardest EAN ESPN. We'll take your questions next on 98.7 ESPN. 
takes the snap, drops back under pressure. He'll scramble, he'll run. He's got the first down. Fitzpatrick down to the 22. He runs right, picks up the six he needed and about eight more. Now back to Inside the Jets on 98.7 ESPN. Here's Larry Hardesty and Eric Allen. And it's the final segment of this Monday night edition of Inside the Jets here on 98.7 ESPN. EA, let's head to Twitterland and get some questions from our uh, Jet fans. My first one, and it's ironic that somebody asked this, they asked, is Jeff Cumberland going to get involved in the offense at all uh, at the tight end? And yesterday, Kellen Davis got a reception at the tight end spot. So when you look at how Chan Gailey lines up his offense, EA, he loves to have his tight ends kind of in the blocking mode. But he had, what, five wide and on a couple of occasions with, with three, uh, four receivers and either uh, Bilal Powell or Chris Ivory lined up. So he likes to spread the field a little bit. But I do think there will be occasions in certain schemes where you will have a chance to see the tight end making some plays. Yeah, he certainly does mix things up, Larry. I'm just looking at the play counts right now. Colin Davis did play 35 snaps in Cumberland. That's a season low, at two snaps uh, yesterday. I think everything's game plan specific. You're going to see uh, things change here as we move down the stretch. But, uh, yeah, Todd Bowles was asked about that today. He said there's nothing that uh, Jeff uh, was not doing. It was just certain looks they wanted to get out there on the football field yesterday. And like you talked about before, you know, and people ask both of us about Mm -hmm. the tight end position all the time. Well, I'm looking at Quincy Nura. He played 53 snaps Sunday against the Giants, and the Jets consider him a tweener. Not really just a receiver, but a guy who can help you as far as a blocker, a big-bodied receiver, 6'2", 225 pounds. So you got to keep that in mind. The other thing is we know what happened. Jason Morrow didn't have a season. Yeah. He, he got hurt early, placed on a season under injured reserve, so he can't come off a season under injured reserve right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously it's Kellen Davis, who primarily is a blocker, and Jeff Cumberland who possesses tremendous speed, Mm -hmm. but the Jets right now are in an offense that favors getting the ball to the receivers and their backs out of the backfield. That's where we're at. Yeah, and having them make plays. And then one had a big catch on one of the drives to keep a drive alive. And he's played well since he's been back. So I think that that versatility, when you look at, at what they've done, even on the defensive side of the ball, EA, of late, they're going for speed. The yep. more speed they can get on the field at one time, that's what they're trying to do to try to, you know, cause some mismatches in their advantage. Yeah, you know, and, and that's one thing uh, that we can talk about here real briefly is that Todd Bowles gave an update on the Jets' injuries today. Mm-hmm. Darrell Rivas has missed the past two games. He was at MetLife Stadium yesterday. Yep. Bowles said he is able to do some light activity right now. Remains in concussion protocol, so we'll have to see. Maybe Darrell Rivas can rejoin the secondary this week. You know, it's very early in the week yet, mm-hmm. but it looks like the Jets might lose Mike Catapano for the season. Yeah. And he's a speed guy yeah. who they were using at defensive end. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we continue to see Sheldon Richardson moved all over the place, mm-hmm. outside linebacker sometimes, moving inside on – in sub-packages on passing downs, playing DN, and then Lorenzo Malden. The Jets love his emergence, his continuing development. Uh, You know, you think about Malden. He's got three sacks this year. Vic Beasley going into 
yesterday's game for Atlanta. This is not a knock on Vic Beasley, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying he was a top ten pick. He had two sacks. Mm -hmm. And Malden had played maybe a quarter of the snaps that a guy like Beasley had. So you're going to see Malden's snaps continue to increase, and the Jets like what they see out of him. But, yes, definitely getting more speed defensively. And you're seeing Aaron Henderson get a lot of run uh, as part of that inside linebacker rotation along with DeMario Davis. I know, much like you, EA, I'm always asked, Devin Smith, he was great last week. Yeah. What happened to him this week? And it's a situation where the scheme dictates where you go. If Devin Smith is not open, EA, you're not throwing it to Devin. You're not throwing it to Devin Smith. You're, if he's covered, you go the other way. When, whenever defensive coordinators see speed, that makes them react right away. And what they try to do is take that speed away from you. And we always talk about where's that third receiver coming from. Well, yesterday the third receiver, as you mentioned earlier, was Bilal Powell. Last week the third receiver was Devin Smith. We'll see who the third receiver is going to be against Tennessee on Sunday. Right. Uh, Jeremy Curley suffering from a migraine. Yep. And, and, you know, and, and it could be any one of a number of people right now. But, uh, you know, Devin Smith – you know, you love to see the consistency. And, and the Jets are eventually, they think, they're confident that they're going to get there with him. Mm -hmm. Is it going to happen in 2015? We don't know. But that doesn't mean he can, can not be a factor here down the stretch because, like you said, you have to pay attention to him. And one of these times they're going to hit on a vertical route down the field, and then that's going to back up the safety. And then that means, oh, can I go over the top on Brandon Marshall every down, or do I have to sneak a peek over here at Devin mm -hmm. Smith? And also, you still have Eric Decker, who, yeah. who continues to do damage, whether he's playing outside or inside. That was his first 100-yard receiving game of 2015. The Jets have a great tandem at, at receiver here, and we have not seen this in a long time. You said Tuna Walker. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. I mean – a long time, and and they have a quarterback right now who's in rhythm, who's getting rid of the football, who knows the offense, who's very confident, who the players believe in. So you got a good mix. Now you got to clean some things up on both sides of the ball and on special teams. And then, you know, Tennessee, like you you guys were mentioning, and I, uh, Marcus Gilchrist was here today saying that this kid. Marcus Mariota does not look like a rookie quarterback. Playing Here's well. some stats for you. 63% passer, 19 touchdowns, only nine interceptions. Only nine interceptions for a rookie, Larry. He's been sacked 30 times, though. The Jets are going to have opportunities to get after him. What you don't want to happen on Sunday is for him to escape, to break contain yeah. against Jacksonville. God. He showed his athletic ability, not only throwing the football, but he's an accurate passer, but also breaking contain, tucking the ball under, and he can get after it. You can't let Mariota get out there in open field. He is a talented player. Him and Jameis Winston are playing tremendous football. The they Jets are. won't see any of Winston this year, but though, both of those rookies have impressed me this year. They have, and, and the thing about uh, Mariota was when you watched him in college, everybody was wide open. 
Yeah. So my concern was, listen, this is the NFL. Nobody's going to be that wide open. Is he going to be able to fit the ball into a small space and cut, keep the turnovers down? And as you mentioned from his stats, he's been able to do that. Yeah, and I'm fascinated to see what Todd Bowles does here this week because him alongside defensive coordinator Casey Rogers against Eli Manning, they said early on, we're going to back off a little yeah. bit and we're going to play zone. And then the second half, we're going to man up on the outside. And you know they're going to throw – a lot of different yeah. looks at the rookie quarterback. Absolutely. And I, I imagine here they're calling for good weather on Sunday. A great turnout from the Jets fans. Mm-hmm. And I think people are going to be pumped because they know what's on the line here. And, you know, you want the rookie quarterback to have a difficult time communicating with everybody out there. And if the Jets can get an early lead, and they can start dictating here because this is a Tennessee team. Who does have some talent, yes. but honestly, it's a three and nine ball club, and you're bringing a three and nine ball club into your stadium. This is a take care of business kind of game. Absolutely, nice job, partner. Thanks, Larry. See you next Monday. That wraps up this edition of Inside the Jets. Special thanks to our guests Brian Winters and Marcus Gilchrist and their families who came out tonight. Thank you. Also to the folks who came by to enjoy some food here at Calandras. Thank you for joining us and watching the show. Uh, special thanks to Gerald, Ray, and Brian back at our New York studios. Yeah, I got to go back to work. Up next, ESPN New York tonight. I got Guy Andrew Brill quits. to my left. I know. Andrew Brill to my left. Trevor Scales to my right. We're going to talk some more Giants and Jets. As a matter of fact, Trevor Scales has what you need to know next on 98.7 ESPN.